You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy Football Today DFS. My name is Sia Najad. This is your, not mine, it's your solo pod. And we are going to take an early look at Week 17, and we're going to recap a few of our lineups from Week 16. And speaking of that, FFT DFS, big congratulations to Hydro22 for winning the Saturday Christmas Eve tournament, and then Kush6 for winning the Sunday Christmas tournament. Again, that was a three-game slate and I believe a 10-game slate. So congratulations to Hydro22 and Kush6. We're going to actually look at your lineups uh, in a few minutes. But first, we got we to gotta look at my underwhelming lineups. I actually had a bad week. You know what's funny? I could have started this show with, welcome to the Gardner Minshew show, because we were so big on Gardner Minshew. Of course, Mike was huge on him. He said he's only, you know, you know, you know what Mike does. He does five lineups, and he said four out of five were going to be Gardner Minshew. So literally eight, at an 80% rate. I ended up playing Minshew at pretty much an 80% rate as well. And I still did pretty poorly. So we're going to take a look at my cash lineup, which didn't cash. I mean, this is just one of the, just a poor week for me. Like, let's just be candid about the whole thing. I barely cashed in, in a few of my tournament lineups and the other ones were bad. And my cash lineup, I only did one actually. And it's here. You can see it. And I'll just read it out for those of you that are listening to the podcast uh, and not actually able to see this on YouTube. We're live here, by the way. It's Gardner Minshew. Okay, great start. Christian McCaffrey, which I'm really disappointed in myself about. If you remember from the Tuesday solo pod, I conceived of CMC as more of a contrarian play against Washington's pretty solid defense. And in, in, in that context, I was telling myself and telling everybody on Tuesday that I just didn't really like the CMC play. But I kind of got kind of just you know, warped into deciding I needed to play him. And that was kind of, that, that's one of those rules that I don't care who's saying it. If I make a decision on a guy like this that I just don't think is a great play, I, I shouldn't fall into the trap of playing him later in the week just because a lot of people seem to be playing him. Clearly in cash, he was very popular. You see here, 56.6%. I just think I could have got away from CMC. It, it, cash, I get it. But in tournaments, I really could have gotten away from him. Okay, so after CMC, you got Derrick Henry. A big gun there, Juju Smith-Schuster, who I thought was going to get a lot more reps in the first half. He really got all his catches in the fourth quarter. Extremely underwhelming game. Speaking of underwhelming, Marquise Goodwin. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, he's going to be in my tournament lineup too. I was kind of all in on the value of Marquise Goodwin. I didn't think he was going to replicate Tyler Lockett by any means. But did I think he was going to get three to five catches and potentially a touchdown and, and somewhere in the range of – 50 to 70 yards. Yeah, I kind of thought that. And so this is one of those situations. When I go all in on a guy, I go all in on a guy. You guys know, I, I and girls as well, you, you know I don't make a lot of tournament lineups. I'm a single entry, three max guy. There's very, very little variation with my player pool. Marquise Goodwin, 
was pretty much in every lineup. Fortunately, I had Richie James in this lineup as well. Then Noah Fant, Dalvin Cook, and Ravens defense. So for a cash lineup, I think the problematic plays here are probably Dalvin Cook. I probably should have reserved him. I was pretty much all in on Dalvin Cook, too. I didn't have him in every lineup, but I had him in most. And I probably could have reserved him for just my tournament lineups. Maybe found a way to try to get Justin Jefferson in there. Uh, Noah Fant, you know, he did okay. But ultimately, this lineup, I don't think it was horrible. Again, Gardner Minshew carrying the day. Richie James was just fine. McCaffrey, Henry, they were okay. Not not really. And then Dalvin Cook was not good at all. Even though he had 40 yards in the first quarter, he actually had 40 yards like five minutes into the game. And they just went away from him for whatever reason. It was not the Dalvin Cook show after the first few carries. So I, I don't really understand that. But this is my cash line. Not a lot to talk about here. It made $0.00. I'm not very happy with it, but, you know, here we are. So I think we can move on to Mike's GPP lineup. So everybody knows that Mike has been doing pretty much exclusively GPP lineups as opposed to cash the latter half of the season. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed playing cash, you know, the last few weeks where Mike has kind of taken cash off. And I've done pretty well, as you guys have seen on this show. I've done pretty well. Well, Mike in his GPP lineup, you know, it's funny. He pretty much gave out his lineup. I mean, he didn't literally give out his lineup. But he pretty much gave out his lineup on Thursday. Like to, to such an extent, he actually said, you know, I think you're going to kind of get an idea of what my lineup here, my primary lineup is just on this show. That's what he said on Thursday because he was talking about all the players that he liked. Well, remember his favorite stack? It was Gardner Minshew to Dallas Goddard. Let's, let's remember that from the cheat sheet. Christian McCaffrey, we know that didn't really work out. Derrick Henry, CeeDee Lamb with the run back. Okay, no, nothing novel there. We, we knew CeeDee Lamb was going to be in play. It was just a matter of fitting him into your lineup at 7,500. And here's the key part. This lineup, for those of you who are listening, made $1,000. The key to the lineup was he was going to be all in on those Giants receivers. He specifically brought up Isaiah Hodgins, and he specifically brought up Richie James, and he said he may play them both in the same lineup. So here we are. Isaiah Hodgins scores 22.90 fantasy points. Richie James, 17 flat. Absolutely perfect. A grand total of 8,000 on those two Giants receivers, and they score him approximately 40 points. And then TJ Hawkinson. So he gets the Gardner Minshew stack, and then he just goes all in all in with CeeDee Lamb run back. And then he goes all in on that other game that he really liked. If you recall, he was off the Chiefs game. He And I was not. So my bad on that, but he was completely off of that game. And I remember talking to him about it, you know, kind of being a little bit surprised because of some of the value plays in that game. And he told you he was just playing these two games with Gardner Minshew and almost all of his stacks. So just to go over this lineup again, by the way, double tight end, Mike McClure, the king of double tight end, Hawkinson and Goddard, Gardner Minshew, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, CeeDee Lamb, Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, and the Saints defense. Uh, again, this is really interesting because this is a great lineup. It scored 198.6 points. But the funny part is Christian McCaffrey was a complete dud. Derrick Henry, not so great. You know, no fire emojis there, but he picked the right receivers in that Giants game. Remember, he wasn't on Slayton. Slayton was his third favorite receiver in that Giants core because of the value he saw in Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James. So, you know, I, I keep kind of referencing Mike. You know, there, there's a reason Mike's on this show. There's a reason he's a professional DFS player and, and better as well. And I just really encourage everybody. Listen, I, I think I'm pretty good at this too. I've had some very successful weeks, some very near takedowns in very big tournaments, but you know, it's, it's Mike that is really kind of exploring the different roster constructions and some of the contrarian, not contrarian games. He's not playing the contrarian games. He's playing the contrarian roster constructions. And I don't think a lot of people 
had Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James in the same lineup. People were taking one or the other, which also makes sense to some degree. But his play was, let me get these pass catchers in on both sides of the ball, but I'm going to take the Gardner Minshew value at 4,800. And, and it worked out. Obviously, Hawkinson really helps this. But Hawkinson, Richie James, and Hodgins, that's pretty much the nuts in that game. Obviously, you know, Justin Jefferson could have been involved there as well. But really, really great lineup. Um, great stuff for Mike. I know he had a really good week. This was not his only good lineup. I mean, he absolutely crushed it this week. I can tell you just kind of inside knowledge here uh, behind the uh, curtain. He had a really great week. And I hope those of you that followed him and followed his advice also had a great week. I know I got some tweets um, nothing. I don't think I saw anything with a 198.6 in terms of the tweets that were sent out. But if you haven't tweeted a good lineup out already, go ahead and tweet at us because we love to see it. So that's Mike's GPP lineup. We can probably put up. Um, OK, so we can go to my GPP lineup at this point. Another sort of underwhelming score. It actually did cash, but full disclosure, it was like pretty much a min cash. Uh, it scored 147.80. And I have Mike Stack in here. I have Gardner Minshew. Welcome to the Gardner Minshew Show, everybody. I had Gardner Minshew to Dallas Goddard, and that worked out quite well. Um, we're going to bring it up on the screen in a second, but I had actually Tony Pollard on the bring back, and I was just trying to get different with tournaments in that one. You know, I, obviously, in retrospect, CeeDee Lamb would have been the appropriate bring back in that one, but I ended up going with Tony Pollard. Um, I don't know if we have it to bring up on the screen. I maybe Maybe I didn't send it to our producer, but the bottom line is, let me just go over the line. Oh, here it is. Oh, good. We have it. Okay, so... Gardner Minshew to Dallas Goddard. Tony Pollard on the bring back. Listen, I thought that would be really contrarian. I was waiting for the Tony Pollard spike game. I'm very much aware of the fact that Ezekiel Elliott is getting at least half the carries and he's getting a lot of the, 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 the touchdown equity inside the five as well. But again, it's Tony Pollard. Can Tony Pollard have a spike game? Maybe this isn't the team to, to have the spike game against because they've been really good against the run since Jordan Davis has been back. It's been almost a month that he's been back. But again, I thought Tony Pollard could get to the edge, maybe some design screens for him. So I didn't mind that. At 6%, I get Tony Pollard at 7,000. Yeah, I mean, I I don't regret that at all. So I had Gardner Minshew to Dallas Goddard with Tony Pollard on the way back. By the way, everybody in the chat, hit the like button if you would. I have Saquon Barkley at running back, Jarek McKinnon at running back. Justin Jefferson, so that made this lineup go. Marquise Goodwin, a flat zero there, and I still cash somehow, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Richie James, Dallas Goddard again, of course, and Tony Pollard in the Panthers defense. So Panthers defense, I didn't love. My favorite defense was the Ravens at 3,200. There was a defense I'm forgetting right now at 2,800. That Oh, it was the Saints. 2,800 that I also liked. Um, but again, this was one of those lineups where I had to pay down for defense and the Panthers were fine. You know, they, they gave up a ton of points, but they scored four points. And at 2300, I, I really can't argue with that. I was going for the spike game again with Jarek McKinnon. I could have played Pacheco there. Turns out neither of neither of them would have really worked out. McKinnon had a nice start to the game, just not a nice finish. Saquon was, was a guy I wanted to play. Again, I played Dalvin Cook in most of my lineups and those lineups that I played Dalvin Cook in did not cash. So I, I, I understand Jefferson was the better play there. That's why he's in this lineup. But full disclosure, I was going for some contrarian plays, or at least contrarian relative to Justin Jefferson. So instead of CeeDee Lamb, it's going Tony Pollard in a lot of lineups. Instead of Justin Jefferson, I was going Dalvin Cook in a lot of lineups. And it could have worked, but it didn't work. So this lineup ended up cashing barely, but you know nothing super impressive. Again, I was focused on the contrarian plays, some of the value plays with Goodwin and James. And you know Goodwin just simply didn't work out. So that's my GPP lineup. If anybody has questions about just the construction or, or anything like that um, or your construction for week 17, please let me know. But we can actually move on to the Saturday FFT DFS winner. So remember, Saturday was Christmas Eve. 
so we had the 10 game slate on Saturday. So that was like kind of like the true, like big time slate that we had. And we have Hydro, it's H-E-I-D-R-O 22. He put up 191.96. Um, pretty great score, pretty interesting lineup here. Oh, I see, I see Dalvin Cook in here. So that's really interesting. I guess I probably convinced you to play Dalvin Cook. So my bad, but you still ranked first out of 200. So good for you. Daniel Jones, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook. Devonte Smith. Okay, so obviously I like that. You know, when we were talking about Minshew stacks, of course, my stack was Minshew. I believe it was Minshew to AJ Brown. That was my preferred stack on the cheat sheet, and I believe Mike's was Gardner Minshew. Again, welcome to the Gardner Minshew show. Uh, Gardner Minshew to Dallas Goddard. So I, I mean, I think there were different ways you could have stacked that. Obviously, Goddard presented some value. Devonte Smith at his price, sixty six hundred, presented some value. I just thought AJ Brown was probably the the better play, even though he was way more expensive. But man, if you had found the cash to do Minshew, Devante, and AJ Brown, boy, would that have paid off. Uh, but Devante, an absolutely great play here at 6,600. Pretty sneaky at under 10% ownership. Isaiah Hodgins, he's got in here. Richie James, oh, well, that looks familiar. Somebody watches the show. Hydro 22. See, this is great, right? Isaiah Hodgins at 18% and Richie James at 46%. I, I believe that's probably above the field at large because of how we talked about both of them. The fact that you got both of them in your lineup really paid off and you got TJ Hawkinson in there. I was short on Hawkinson. Uh, Mike was not. So good good for Hydro here. Good for Mike. Jerick McKinnon at the flex spot. Pretty good lineup. Saints defense. You know I like that. They scored eight points, which certainly isn't bad. Not impressive. Not super impressive either. Daniel Jones was his quarterback. So Daniel Jones ended up scoring almost 25 points. This is a great lineup. As far as correlation, he's got Daniel Jones to Richie James. He's got T the TJ Hawkinson bring back as opposed to paying up for Justin Jefferson or or uh, Dalvin Cook, of course, although he did have Dalvin Cook on the bring back too. So that's interesting. So he had a double bring back and he takes the, you know, the, the least expensive of the Minnesota Vikings. He takes Dalvin Cook at 7,200 compared to Jefferson's 9,300 and Hawkinson's 4,900. So double bring back, good stack here with two receivers, Hodgins and James. And then he gets the some of the really good pieces or the good piece out of that Eagles game in Devontae Smith. Really, really impressive lineup. Um, could have even been better if you had somehow found a way to get off of Derrick Henry or maybe maybe Dalvin Cook. If you got off Derrick Henry, you probably could have paid up for Justin Jefferson in the flex. You just would have had to pay down um, at, at the running back position. But this is obviously a really impressive lineup. Okay, so we're almost to our early Week 17 look. But we got to go over one more lineup, and it's our FFT DFS Sunday winner, the three-game slate. So everybody pay attention to this because we're going to see a lot of shorter slates when the once the playoffs roll around. Um, and by the way, those of you that are in the chat, I see you in there. And uh, if you have any questions, let me know. Thanks for being in there. Please hit the like button. So this is so I only bring that up the shorter slates because obviously this show goes through the Super Bowl, and I think these shorter slates really present an opportunity with respect to late swap, with respect to different sort of roster constructions and, and things of that nature. So I, I usually. I, you know, I think in these shorter slates, like these playoff slates, I tend personally, I tend to be more successful. My guess is Mike McClure tends to be even more successful than he already is as well, because it just allows you to be so unconventional and get away with it and, and have that like lack of convention payoff. And I think when it comes to the playoffs, you know, after week 18, I think we're going to have a lot to say that's different from, you know, maybe some of the podcasts that you're you're already listening to or that are just out there in the in the ether. So just keep that in mind. Make sure you plug in with us during the playoffs because we'll have we'll have a lot to say about 
some of those slates as well. So this lineup, 196.80, very, very impressive. Tua, Leonard Fournette, Cam Akers. Boy, Cam Akers and Tyler Higby. Both of those guys are in this lineup. So, I mean, you can pretty much hand this guy the trophy right now, right? Uh, and I know we talked a lot about Cam Akers, not as much about Tyler Higby. But we talked a lot about Cam Akers when we covered the last 15 minutes of that Thursday game-by-game game preview. Cam Akers certainly came up. Uh, so did two at a Tyreek Hill, obviously. But two at a Tyreek Hill, the running backs are Leonard Fournette and Cam Akers. He also had Jalen Waddle in there, who early caught that 84-yard touchdown reception. And honestly, both Tua, Tyreek, and Waddle should have had better games. Just Tua was obviously awful, probably post-concussion, which is unfortunate. But Hill and Waddle with Tua, uh, Romeo Dobbs, who had a you know pretty bad game, uh, Greg Dulcich, Tyler Higby, Rams defense. If you played the Rams defense and you played either Cam Akers or Tyler Higby, you had a really good day. If you played any two of those three, frankly, between Cam Akers, Higby, and Rams defense, you had a really good day. If you played Jalen Waddle, you had a really good day. And Fournette, I, I thought that was a really clever play, only 14%, which is pretty low considering we're only on a three-game slate. Um, pretty clever play there as well. So I think this lineup is great. Uh, you've got the... Uh, you don't have any you, – you've got some bring back with, with that heavy, heavy uh, Miami stack with Romeo Dobbs. But, again, it's a three-game slate. You don't have to have to be super conventional. Maybe, you know, this person who was at Cush 6 probably thought to bring back maybe maybe two Packers, and he avoided that, which is which is a really good thing. I mean, you probably could have fit in Watson somewhere in here or tried to fit in Aaron Jones, and you didn't. And you don't have to force that, especially on a three-game slate. So I love this. I love this lineup. I love the score of 196.80. Um, really, really good stuff from Kush Six. Uh, the the contest, by the way, for this week is just one this week, and it's a it's a pretty big slate. And the contest is already live, two hundred people. So get in that contest right away. It'll probably fill up by Saturday morning, I'm guessing. So get in there now and um, and have at it. Uh, it's only five dollars. I believe the top fifteen get paid out. Uh, I see you in here, Mike Chavez, Eric Powell, uh, Kevin. Thanks for being in here. Uh, if you got any questions, Richard, I see in here, Pollard dropped an easy touchdown, he says. That is true. Pollard could have had a much better day. And honestly, even if he had caught that touchdown, I was still expecting a little bit more fireworks from Tony Pollard, and it just didn't work out. But again, at less than 10% ownership, a guy as explosive as Tony Pollard in a very high-scoring game, you know, I think they ended up scoring like 70-some points, but that was already projected to be a high-scoring game. I just thought Tony Pollard could have that pop game, and if he did, I'd be on the right side of – uh of my uh, tournament lineups for sure. Okay. So I think it's time for our early look on week 17. Um, some interesting games. We don't have as much weather concerns. There's going to be some weather concerns, you know, with rain and maybe some wind, but like this is a completely different slate than last week. So we don't have to worry about snow or extremely freezing temperatures for the most part, something we'll monitor on Thursday. But I, I just don't think from a construction standpoint, we need to worry too much about that. We do need to worry about some teams who are going to take their foot off the gas, perhaps because their games aren't as meaningful this week, perhaps relative to next week. Um, Jacksonville stands out as a team that really has everything riding on week 18 as opposed to week 17. So you got to be a little careful, you know, playing guys like Travis Etienne, for example. But we're going to go over some of the high totals, uh, some of the dome games, which I think are even, you know, even though weather's not a huge issue, the dome games are going to be pretty important to at least know where they're at. And we're going to go over quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end, my favorite values, the, the plays I'm already looking at, both in cash and tournaments. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to hear a message from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are back. This is Fantasy Football Today. DFS. And we're ready to talk week 17. So let me talk about some of the totals that are relatively high. Uh, you know, no, we don't have anything exploding off the page other than the Bears at the Lions, which is a 52-point total. The Niners at the Raiders is a 45.5-point total. I think 45.5 on this slate is at least notable. Uh, Broncos at the Chiefs, 45-point total. That's a huge point spread. It'll be interesting to see uh, how many people even want to bother with that game. But it does make sense to bother with some of the players there, right? Especially if you think the Chiefs are going to achieve their implied point total. Uh, Vikings at Packers. If weather holds up, which it looks like it probably will, that's a 47-point total. I think that's a really good game to explore. I mean, I think most people are going to look at this slate and they're going to say, by the way, the Dome games, Atlanta at Zona, Chicago at Detroit, and there's one other one I think. Those actually might be the only two. But, you know, those two games are going to be popular, but but I think Chicago at Detroit is like the obvious one, right? You got Detroit at home, and it's, you know, with Detroit, it's always going to be the Jared Goff show, right? Because we know how much value. First of all, Detroit scores a ton at home. Jared Goff usually plays really, really well at home as well. And uh, he's got his, he's got, a, he's got a lot of receivers that you can really rely on. I don't want to say, you know, there's a lot of receivers on that team, but I think most of them have gotten phased out, right? It, it, it's Amon Ross St. Brown. And it appears to be DJ shark that are, that are the guys that are getting the lion's share of, of the work. So I think a lot of people just from, a roster construction standpoint, it's Jared, whether it's cash or tournament, a lot of people are going Jared Goff and they're going Amon Ross St. Brown. They may throw in DJ Shark. And then on the other side of it, you know, what do you do there? I, I think we have to see what the injury situation is with some of these wide receivers for the Bears. Not that you can really count on any of them, but both Claypool and Equinemia St. Brown were actually out last week. Now, Claypool had a, like a real legit injury. I think it was maybe a knee injury. I'll have to check on that. And Equinemia St. Brown had a concussion. So I expect St. Brown to be back, especially since he's playing against his brother. How cool is that? Week 17, you get to play against your brother once again. Uh, but then you got like guys like Dante Pettis, who got a touchdown last week, didn't get uh, much work other than that. Byron Pringle, Cole Komet. I think Cole Komet will be the natural bring back there. Um, but I think a lot of people will kind of want to know who's healthy because I think you could consider double stacking this game at the receiver's position. But I also think David Montgomery makes a lot of sense too. Um, he's kind of a higher price than people expect, but I think he's a, a pretty clever play, whether you're stacking this game or not to play David Montgomery, because there's not a lot of great running back plays. I'm really curious to see on Thursday during our game by game preview where people are at with uh, wanting to roster. David Montgomery. Let's start with the QBs, though. Zach's got it up here. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, 
Justin Fields. So I'm going to pass right over Mahomes. You can play Mahomes at 8,500. I I don't know what I'm going to do with Mahomes yet, but he's certainly not one of my favorite quarterbacks on this slate. If I play him, it's probably going to be well under the field as almost like a flyer in in a random three max tournament or something. Um, Jalen Hurts, we don't know if he's going to be back. It's, It's certainly not looking like he is going to be back. So the first one that jumps out to me is Justin Fields. And I talked about that, right? We know that golf is going to be popular. He's going to be the more popular of those two quarterbacks in terms of stacking. And that that's just a price thing, right? I mean, Jared Goff is 5,600 and Justin Fields is 7,100. Also, Justin Fields didn't rush much last week. So we had somebody in the chat actually mention something about Justin Fields that, and I don't remember who it was, but that he's not going to get shut down, which I didn't expect anyway. But I think you could play Fields and you could play him naked. Oh, here we go. Eric Powell, thank you. With the who's that Saquon as your as your profile pick there on YouTube. Um, Bears say they won't shut down Fields. Let's go. I hope he feels better by Sunday versus Lions. He put up big numbers last time. Yeah, we certainly know that Fields has the potential. I wonder, you know, the lack of rushing. I think he did say he was somewhat injured, like at the very end of that game, but no, no injury designation. I wonder if the lack of running was by design. I think that's what scares me a little bit about Justin Fields, but it's certainly a great matchup. And for the record, whether you're talking about Fields or David Montgomery, to the extent that we thought that Detroit was like all of a sudden really good against the run, and I thought they were at least improving against the run, certainly relative to um, how they defend the pass, uh, that was that kind of like exploded in everybody's face last week when Deontay Foreman. Blackshear and uh, Hubbard just ran. I mean, it was embarrassing. They just ran all over Detroit. So I do think there are paths for both Fields and David Montgomery to succeed, just strictly rushing the ball. And and I say that because I think you can play Fields naked. I think you can play David Montgomery as perhaps one of two bringbacks in in a heavy uh, Detroit stack. I mean, I I don't have a problem playing Montgomery with Cole Komet, for example, with a double stack Jared Goff, you know, DJ Shark and Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I, again, I think I'm probably more inclined to pick or just as inclined to pick a, a low end receiver and hope they go off, whether that be Claypool, if he's healthy or maybe St. Brown or or somebody like that. But we'll just have to wait and see the practice reports and see who's emerging there. Other quarterbacks I like. So Trevor Lawrence is only 6,200. Interesting. But again, this is not a team that has anything to play for. And so I don't exactly know how, you know, Trevor's going to handle himself, even if he plays, which I suspect he will. I don't think there's any news that Trevor's going to sit. But when it comes to guys like Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, I just wonder how much you know rushing equity, equity we have with Trevor Lawrence in a game that doesn't mean anything at Houston. So it's just one of those things I think I'm going to end up leaning away from all Jacksonville Jaguars, even though I think, for example, Travis Etienne at 6,400, I think he makes a ton of sense. But I, I just don't think I'm there with Jacksonville. I think we have to wait and hear. The matchup is obviously salivating at Houston. Um, that could be a game if all the starters play. And that, of course, includes guys like Evan Ingram, who's really going to jump out at people, maybe Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. Uh, if they all play and you know they're, they're all playing four quarters, which also would make sense because you want to be ready for that, that final game against Tennessee, then I think we're okay playing them. But then the question has to be raised if that game is not competitive. I expect it will be because Houston's been competitive. But if it's not competitive, do these guys sit in the fourth quarter? Well, normally, I don't think they would. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. There's just a lot of questions there. Aaron Rodgers at 6,000. I think he makes a lot of sense, especially if the weather is fine. I think he makes sense for cash as well, going against Minnesota's defense. They're not getting a ton from Aaron Jones uh, or A.J. Dillon. And we we see that Aaron Rodgers is missing some bals here. He missed a long touchdown to Watson. 
He's, you know, there's a lot of confusion between him and his receivers. Once it clicks, and this could be the game it clicks, I mean, we're looking at a potential four-touchdown game. I, I don't know, you know, game flow. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but he's slinging it around. And his receivers are open. He's just been a little off, or his receivers have been, like, not in sync with him. I think Aaron Rodgers at 6,000 is great for tournaments. I think he's great for cash. Another great cash game play, of course, is Jared Goff. I mean, my, my two favorite cash game quarterbacks right now and it's it's part, I'm not including Justin Fields in here because I, I'm I'm a little skeptical about how much he's going to be running the ball in this game. I think it's fine for tournaments. I just don't want to play him in cash. It's Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff for me in cash. Those are going to be my two cash game court. You know, I only make one or two cash lineups. I'll probably make one with Goff and one with Rodgers, or maybe just two with Goff. But Goff is my number one. Rodgers is my number two in cash. Uh, Gardner Minshew at 5500 home versus the Saints. I don't hate it. Um, but I think I'd just, you know, I'd rather play golf. And, and, and unless Minshew's going to be super contrarian, which I doubt, then I, I don't really see a reason to pivot from golf to Gardner Minshew. Mike White at 5,400. Uh, he's at Seattle. That's an interesting one because I think Mike White could certainly pass all over the Seattle secondary. I think Seattle could probably move the ball against the the New York Jets, even though that is a formidable defense. That one, you know, I'm probably not going to Mike White. For me, my quarterbacks are probably going to be Fields, Rodgers, and Goff. That, that's probably where I'm going at the quarterback position. And I'll just have to wait and see on guys like Pat Mahomes if I want to actually get around to playing them. Um, but I think we can move on to the running back position. And at running back at the top, we see CMC. He's 9000 at Vegas. I don't really have a big problem with, with that price. And I think at Vegas, that's a pretty great matchup, obviously. I don't know if I'm getting there with McCaffrey. I will say this. So much value is already opened up in this particular slate. And more value is going to open up. Certainly by the time we get to our game by game preview, more value is going to open up. So at 9,000, I really like, uh, I don't really like Christian McCaffrey, but I think I really like the idea of playing him because I do think you can afford him. I just don't know if I'm getting there with him. Uh, the matchup's so much better than last week. So don't look at last week when you're looking at CMC. Last week, he only had 15 attempts, uh, rushing attempts, 3.1 yards per carry. But that it was a much more formidable defense. I think the problem with Christian McCaffrey last week was he only had two targets. I mean, he caught both of them, but two targets? Like, that's that's obviously not great. So uh, as we scroll down here, Barkley at 8,000. I think he's a pretty safe play uh, at home, particularly in a must-win against Indianapolis. Um, Indianapolis is just uh, like a, a wilted flower at this point. Uh, I don't even know if it was a flower in the first place, maybe a wilted weed. It is just a, it's just bad. It's just bad. It's just bad. And, and like, keep in mind that this is a good Indianapolis Colts defense. Don't get me wrong. They're good. But how many short fields are the Giants going to have next week? I mean, who's playing quarterback? Is it, is it Nick Foles? Is it Sam Ellinger or is it Matt Ryan? Doesn't matter, right? Like how many short fields are the Giants going to have? At least two or three from turnovers or just amazing field position based on punts, you know, inside the 10-yard line for the Colts. I just see, you know, this is one of those games where we always see it from Saquon. We see him be kind of mediocre and then he busts a run like he did against Minnesota the other day. And I just see that happening maybe more than once uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. They're certainly going to be leaning on Barkley. So at 8000 that's an extremely fair price. It's a good matchup. Um, I'm definitely like Saquon's kind of like a cash game lock for me. I certainly like Saquon uh, better than CMC. If you're, if you're paying up at running back and you're trying to choose between the two uh, it's, it's going to be Saquon for me. Uh, scrolling down another guy that I think is pretty good in cash and that I think you can afford 
because there's so much value, particularly at the receiver position, is uh, James Conner. And we've been talking about him. He's just been a volume monster ever since they let Eno Benjamin go. We, we really know they didn't have much behind James Conner. He was going to be the workhorse, and that's proven to be the case. He's His last four games, which is since they let Eno go, I think they let Eno go five weeks ago, he's averaging 22-plus touches. So it's like around like 22 to 23-ish touches per game is what James Conner is getting. So you're getting him against the soft Atlanta defense at 7,200, like another guy you can play in cash really easily because we're saving money with Jared Goff. We're saving money. We, we might pair Jared Goff even in cash with Amon Ross St. Brown, which he, he's 7,800. It's it's not expensive for him, but it's, it's, it's kind of a, a raise price. You can double stack him even in cash. You can double stack him if you want with DJ Shark. You can pay up for Saquon Barkley. You can kind of pay up for James Conner. I say kind of because 7,200 is kind of in that, that middle tier there. And then when we get to the receivers, you're going to hear that there's a lot of receivers that are completely legit that are in that sort of five or sub 5K range. So it's it's going to be easy to get some of these volume monsters at running back and still have a lineup that you're actually proud of, a lineup that doesn't have Marquise Goodwin in it like I did the for pretty much every single lineup I made last week. So nice week, week 16 for me. Uh, Dalvin Cook at 7,000. I do think it's a pretty good matchup for Dalvin Cook. I, I just wonder how much we can rely on Minnesota really utilizing him like we think he should be utilized. It's just one of those things, even when his yards per carry are good at the beginning of games, they tend to get away from him, even, even in positive and neutral game strips. It's just they're just more inclined to to chuck the ball around to guys like Hawkinson, to guys like Justin Jefferson. So I think Dalvin Cook is an interesting potential, slightly contrarian play. He let so many people down last week, including myself, that I don't think he's going to get a ton of ownership. And if if that's the case, and I don't know it to be the case, if that ends up being the case, um, I don't have a problem going back to him. David Montgomery at 6,900. I think people are certainly going to have to decide if they want to play him at that price. Uh, it's a pretty good matchup against Detroit, as we saw last week. And I think he's not going to be a super popular play in Detroit stacks. I just don't think he will be. I think people are going to go to commit and maybe that's it. Or they're going to go to like they're just going to pick a receiver. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I just don't think David Montgomery at 6,900 is super appealing to people. Again, could be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. We'll get a much better idea on Thursday. That's a question I'm, I'm going to make sure I ask, especially at some of these running back positions. I mentioned Travis Etienne at 6,400. Uh, meaningless game in week 17, very meaningful game for Jacksonville in week 18. So I, I don't know that I want to go there unless I hear news that really blows me away about Etienne definitely playing um, the full slate of uh, – of snaps here. Cam Akers at 6,100, probably going to be pretty popular coming off the game he had. And he's got a great matchup against the chargers. I don't mind this play at all. I think if you, if you want to run three running backs in cash, I think you could go Cam Akers on the tail end of, of your Connor and Saquon Barkley stack. It's, it's very affordable, very easy to do. Uh, another guy, uh, you know, in tournaments with Acres, if he gets any anywhere close to popular, I'm fine being out on Cam Acres. Uh, Zach Moss at 5400 at the New York Giants, not really in love with that. Tyler Algier, though, can we click on Zach? Can we click on Tyler Algier at 5300? His game log: 18 carries, averaging over 4.1 yards, yards per carry against Baltimore, by the way, uh, and now he gets Arizona which you know, certainly easier to pass against Arizona than run, but shouldn't be hard for him to run anyway. He caught four or five targets, 43 yards. This guy is, is getting used. Don't forget Caleb Huntley is out for the season. So it's really just Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier that are running the show here. There's a lot of value to be had in this Falcons game. This is a game that is very, 
very stackable. Now, the problem is, you know, in terms of a like a, an actual quarterback stack, a game stack, it's hard to justify like Desmond Ritter or if it's going to be Trace McSorley. But certainly you can do what Mike did and get your, your quarterback and stack du jour from another game and pile up the pieces in this game. You got guys like Tyler Algier at 5,300. You got guys like Drake London, who we'll talk about in a second at 4,900. And then you bring it back on the other side with James Conner and, um, oh, there's this guy named Greg Dortch. That's a flat 3K. Okay, like you can do like that's what I that's what I'm talking about when I talk about value. I'm not just talking about Drake London at 4900. That's that's pretty great value considering how much he's getting targeted. But guys like Greg Dorch at 3000, listen, is Greg Dorch going to replicate the game he had last week? No. But is he going to replicate half of that? Because if he does, then at 3000 he's going to pay off in a very very big way. So uh, again, I I think you could do your stack du jour and your run back du jour and make it expensive if you want. And in tournaments, I think you can fit in a couple pieces from each side of this game without having to play the quarterback. So that's something to consider there. Uh, the only other, actually, outside of Tyler Algier, under the 5,300 mark, I don't really see a ton that I'm super interested in. We'll have to wait on injury reports. Um, you know, for example, like the Lions backfield, we're not 100% sure what's going on with uh, Jamal Williams as of now. I think he's fine, but we'll have to wait and see. There might be some some more value that opens up at the running back position, but that's all for running backs. Again, I'm a big fan here of, of Barkley, of Connor, and then maybe coming down to Tyler Algier here. And I certainly think uh, guys like uh, Cam Akers are certainly in play. Uh, particularly for cash relative to tournaments, but I think you could play in both ways. Let's move on to wide receiver. At the top here, we have the very expected name of Justin Jefferson at 9,500 at Green Bay. It doesn't appear to be a great matchup when you just kind of look at the opponent rank here, but I'm not really worried about matchups. I don't think anybody uh, can cover Justin Jefferson. I just, it's just not, it's just not a thing. The question becomes, do you want to pay up for Justin Jefferson? And you can afford it because I just told you a lot of the value that's going to open up here or that has already opened up. You can absolutely afford Justin Jefferson if you want here. And am I going to get to him? I don't know. I'll probably get to him in a few lineups uh, because I'm certainly not doing the Dalvin. I'm not going to do as much as the Dalvin Cook thing. And Justin Jefferson is just so scary to to not play him. And I think he's going to be affordable even at that heightened price of 9,500. We see guys like Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams. People are going to be off of them because. They haven't been very good lately. I, I think you could play either of them and potentially smash. I mean, Tua's not going to play this week. And so you're looking at Teddy Two Gloves. I don't think people are going to play a lot of Tyreek Hill because of that, especially because he's 8,900. And you can pay down. Maybe people want to pay, like play A.J. Brown or Amon Ross St. Brown. This could be a week to maybe pay up at that receiver position as opposed to paying up for like if you're, if you're wanting to pay up for like Barkley or CMC. Maybe you bag that and you pay up for a con- in tournaments for a contrarian wide receiver because Ty- I think Tyreek Hill is going to be relatively contrarian. Certainly not Justin Jefferson. People are going to pay up for him, but I think Hill is going to be relatively contrarian. I think Devontae Adams could be relatively contrarian. S- certainly coming off some bad games. Do people want to play AJ Brown again? You know, in a, in a game strip that might be a little different, playing at home against the Saints versus playing last week against Dallas. So I think there's some plays up here you could you could play. But for me, the plays I like. A.J. Brown, I like a little bit. Justin Jefferson, I like a little bit. Amon Ross St. Brown, of course, I like a lot. Against the Chicago secondary, uh, he's 7800 at very, very fair price at home. Really, really like that. As we go down, I think Chris Godwin is in play at 6800 but I don't think I'm going to get around to him at that price, frankly. Uh, I, I just 
I think that's going to be a game that is, I don't know what the over-under is in that Carolina-Tampa Bay game, but I, I could see the under coming. I think that's going to be a slog fest. I think Carolina is going to run the ball quite a bit. Even though Tampa's hard to run on, I think they're going to run the ball quite a bit. I think we're going to see a lot of clock. Uh, whether, you know, I don't know if Fournette, I, I assume he's playing with that list Frank injury, but it's going to be a lot of Fournette, a lot of Rashad White, a lot of dumps to Chris Godwin, but I think Carolina is going to control the flow of that game. And it wouldn't shock me at all if they win that game. Um, as we go down, Jerry Judy at 6,400. I do like him, particularly in Mahomes stacks, or maybe you play Mahomes, Mahomes naked and you, or maybe you play him with Kelsey, obviously, but you can play him naked too and just run it back with Jerry Judy and then just get pieces everywhere else because we don't know where Mahomes is going. You know, last week I was pretty big on thinking, well, it looks like Juju is the alpha wide receiver. It looks like he's the guy that's going to get the lion's share of targets at the receiver position. And I'm not sure he got his first catch until midway through the fourth quarter or at least early in the fourth quarter. So this is one of those things where you just don't know where the ball's going. Even Travis Kelsey can have his hiccup games and against Denver, uh, how much are they really leaning on Kelsey in the second half? I'm not sure, but that doesn't mean Mahomes isn't going to explode and throw for 300 yards again because he typically always does that. So I think Mahomes is in play. And if you stack him or not, I think Jerry Judy on the run back, that's probably the only run back I'd be interested in uh, in this Denver Kansas City game. So I think he's certainly in play at 6,400. Christian Watson. We obviously need to monitor his health. He's at 5,900. A big play guy. I think you could go to guys like Alan Lazard instead at 5,400, regardless of whether Christian Watson is healthy. I think you could speculate on Romeo Dobbs, particularly if for some reason Christian Watson is ailing or sitting out. But I think Alan Lazard is is a pretty interesting play because I don't think he's going to gobble up a ton of ownership, even at the low price of 5,400. Drake London at 4,900. He's going to be kind of like a cash game lock for me. I just I think Drake London and scroll down to him because I want to look at his game log, Zach, at 4,900. There we go. So he's playing against Arizona. I think the game script here is going to be pretty neutral the whole way. I think this is going to be a very competitive game, which keeps really everybody in the game, including Drake London. Look at these targets over the last three weeks. 12 targets, 11 targets, nine targets in the last three weeks. And he's been pretty efficient with them. I mean, obviously against Pittsburgh, not super efficient, six of 12. But since then, seven, 11, and then seven of nine. And, you know, the yardage is there, 96, 70, 95 against Arizona, which, by the way, they're, they're, it's a pretty bad secondary. And it's even worse. I believe Buda Baker is not going to be playing in this game or perhaps the rest of the season. So this is a situation where Drake London, I expect him to get nine or 10 targets again. And I expect him to catch six or seven. And I, by the way, I expect him to be in the end zone. So at 4,900 to me in cash, uh, he is just kind of an easy guy to, to put in there to, to save you some money. Um, heading down to that Giants core, you know, Hodgins and James, they're 4,500 and 4,300 respectively. I don't know if I'm going back there against Indianapolis. You know, I'm certainly playing Saquon, but I, I, I think you could maybe play one of these receivers as well. You're certainly getting some value there, but I think there's more value at 4,300. So go down to 4,300. That's where DJ Shark is. Let's click on his game log as well, Zach. Just a reminder, DJ Shark is at home against the Chicago Bears. And, you know, he had a bad game against the Jets, but that's the Jets and it was at New York. I'm really, you know, the Jets are a formidable defense. I'm not really worried about bad games against the Jets, especially if you're not a primary receiver. But the targets have been there outside of the Jets game. It's five or more targets in every game and very, very great efficiency. Catching four or five, six or seven, five of six. The yardage isn't really there. But again, at 4,300 in this game environment, if he's the number two receiver here, um, look out. Because I think we're looking at, oh, the yardage is there. Excuse me. 
I was looking at his long yardage, not his total yardage. Okay, so let me back up. 108 yards, the 18 yards against the Jets, which, uh, you know, it's the Jets. 94 yards and 98 yards. This guy has been smashing, averaging 100 yards per game. I mean, this is a this is a absolutely, like, very easy play. Maybe you sit him on Ross St. Brown, and you just stack. I mean, to, to be different in tournaments, I mean, you just stack Jared Goff with DJ Shark. And maybe you grab, a, you know, different pieces on the Chicago side. You know, that's some, certainly something to consider if you want to get different. But I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to get peppered here. And I certainly think uh, Jared Goff is going to um, pepper more than one receiver. So DJ Shark might just be that guy. But the hope there is that the Bears can push the Detroit Lions. I suspect they can as long as Fields is healthy. If Fields is gimpy for some reason or if, if the running is limited, considering the receiver core he has, it, it could be a problem from a game script standpoint. Uh, but, you know, it's a chance I'm willing to take in tournaments. Just know that everybody's going to be all over this game. So if you're trying to pivot off something and you, you think the game strip could be a little different with the lines, maybe playing with a big lead and maybe running the ball a little bit more than you, maybe, you, maybe you look for a running back in this game on the Lions side and maybe you fade or maybe you fade this game altogether. So, I mean, if you're fading this game, you are going to be different from most of the field. So it's just something to consider uh, for sure. Other receivers to consider in that low end range, Chris Moore's at 4,200 home against Jacksonville. We don't know who Jacksonville is rolling out yet. I suspect they're playing most of their starters, if not all of them, but I also think Chris Moore could have a a nice little game at 4,200. That's a price that I'm very familiar with. He was 4,200 two weeks ago, 3,400 the week before that. But 4,200 is still some some pretty good value. Um, if Houston at home is as competitive as they've been, I think Chris Moore could be an absolutely great play. Greg Dorch at 3,000, we talked about him. He caught 10 of 11 targets for 98 yards. The A dot is low for him. So he's going to get more of those reliable targets relative to, let's say, guys like Marquise Brown. We'll see if Trace McSorley can connect with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. That'll certainly be a focal point, particularly in the beginning of the game next week. Um but I think Greg Dorch at 3000 very easy to pay off that price. It allows you to do so much. Let's go over the tight ends real quick before we get out of here and before we look at some questions. And Zach, in the event, I'm not looking at the questions right now, but I will in a second. In the event we have some redraft questions, I'd like you to come on after we cover the tight ends. Um, Kelsey at the top, I don't have a huge problem with it, but I don't think I'm playing Travis Kelsey. I, I just This is just not a game environment where I think Kelsey's going to really be pushed. Maybe this is finally the Isaiah Pacheco game that we've kind of been waiting for, for a few weeks. So maybe that's somebody to consider this week, but I just don't think I'm going to be playing the pass catcher. Certainly not at 8,100, but if Travis Kelsey ends up being really unpopular, then of course it's time to play Travis Kelsey, whether you're stacking him with Mahomes or not. So that this is one of those situations where a lot of people are going to want to pay down at the tight end position, because again, you can get away with that at tight end for the most part. I mean, you've got guys like Hawkinson who's 5,400 this week, but like there are guys like Hawkinson and Ingram who for the last like three weeks have been absolutely smashing at like 3,800 price tags or, or 4,900 price tags. So there's, there's little incentive now, right now to pay up for guys like Travis Kelsey or, or George Kittle at 5,900. But if that means the ownership's going to be low, then that means you should probably be playing a little bit of Travis Kelsey and guys like George Kittle. But for me, I don't know that I'm chasing the Hawkinson points, but I think that's totally fine at 5,400. I'm probably paying down. I'm probably looking at guys like Cole Komet in a pretty nice matchup there at Detroit on on basically a a track inside, indoors. Evan Ingram at 4,400 at Houston. Again, I suspect he's going to be playing a full complement of snaps. If that's the case, then they're using Evan Ingram like a receiver at this point. I mean, in fact, if you could click on Evan Ingram's uh, game log at 4,400, Zach, 
I want to just, we know what he's been doing the last couple of games, but I want to verify what he did. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is like almost obnoxious how much they're using him to the detriment of some of their actual pass catchers against Tennessee caught 11 of 15 against Dallas caught eight of 10 against the New York Jets caught seven of eight. And these yardage totals are extremely impressive. 113, 62 and 162 yards over that three game stretch. So, you know, Evan Ingram, again, if, if Jacksonville is going to roll out their starters uh, and if Evan Ingram is included in that, which I suspect he will be, uh, no problem there. Noah Fant is somebody to bring up here because, and I'm not sure, let's look, let's scroll down and look for Noah Fant's price act because he's a guy that could be interesting as a result of Will Disley being put on IR recently. So he is going to be like the alpha tight end where he has been kind of somewhat splitting it. He's been very underwhelming. And I don't really, you know, again, you're playing the Jets, but you're playing at home. And, and we just saw, who was it? Evan Ingram tear up the Jets at the tight end position. So I, I think the possibility is there for Fant to have, instead of catching two or three targets for 12 yards like last week against Kansas City, I think we could see maybe what we saw against San Francisco with, with five of six targets. And maybe he lands in the end zone, maybe instead of 32 yards like he did, like he had against San Francisco, maybe we see something like you know, 55, 60 yards. Again, with Will Disley out, I think Fant is a pretty interesting contrarian play at home against the Jets for only 3,400. And then Trey McBride at 3,300. If you're trying to get pieces of that game, which I really love, that Arizona at Atlanta game, I think you could potentially include Trey McBride in that. But the, re the reality is, I think the passing game is probably going to go through James Conner, Greg Dortch, and probably DeAndre Hopkins. I think they're going to force feed DeAndre Hopkins some very easy targets to get him on on in good graces, frankly, uh, with the quarterback. So Trey McBride, just somebody to mention as a super contrarian play, but at 3,300, uh, it's probably a no-go for me there. So that's the tight end position. We'll cover defenses uh, when we cover uh, the game-by-game -game preview on Thursday. And as everybody knows, on Thursday, we do, what do we do? We do our cheat sheet. We do Mike's top three, which again, if you followed that last week, you, you probably had a really, really good uh, fantasy weekend, particularly a good fantasy Saturday on Christmas Eve. Um, and then of course we do, uh, we talk about ownership and, you know, just some of our, our, our the way we're going to stack games. And, and again, we talked about that a lot on Thursday. We talked about roster construction. We're kind of putting a premium on that because this late in the season, we kind of know the direction people are going with respect to, you know, everybody's favorite stacks and top three stacks and top three players and the chalk players people are willing to, to play and the value that people are willing to play. So it's not just about pivoting off of some of the chalk. I mean, that's important too, particularly in tournaments, but it's also about just getting your roster construction different. And I thought, I thought Mike and, and the person who won our FFT DFS uh, contest, I believe it was uh, Hydro who won the Saturday contest. I thought they did a really good job of having a different type of roster construction with just kind of like lobbing in Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James in, in your stacks that weren't even stacked with Daniel Jones. Our FFT DFS winner had those stacked with Daniel Jones, but Mike didn't. And he had a really, really impressive lineup that scored uh, one point shy of, of 200. So uh, we'll get into roster construction in a big way on Thursday. But before we get out of here, Zach, can I bring you on real quick? Because I'm curious if I've missed some questions here. I see some, but maybe are there some that kind of jump out to you um, that need to be answered? Let's see, you got most of them. There's one of my songs here. I don't know if you touched on it. So they're saying Debo might play this week. Um, yeah. yeah um, how do you think that impacts the rest of the offense if he does? Oh, well, I think it impacts it. So 
it's just another weapon for Purdy who, who has no need to throw it downfield. So, I mean, I, in terms of how it affects Christian McCaffrey, who, who I, to be honest, I think is, I think McCaffrey and Kittle are with Purdy back there. I think McCaffrey, Kittle and Debo when healthy are the only guys to legitimately play. Um, it, and that depends on who the opponent is, but I don't think Debo is going to play. I think if he does, I don't think he's going to play a full complement of snaps this week. So I just don't think the Debo thing really affects CMC or Kittle in a very significant way. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about Debo right now. I, I would start thinking about how Debo is going to impact the Niners when they get in the playoffs. Uh, and when that happens, I think Debo is going to have a lot of things scripted for him. And I think from a touch standpoint, it's going to be Christian McCaffrey, Debo, and then Ayuk and Kittle kind of getting the rest. Are you staying away from Hurts this week if he does play, just in case they if he uh, some he re-injures something and they just yank him out and wait till playoffs? Are you just staying away completely? No, I mean, remind me who, who the Eagles I play. The, I think at the Saints this week. Oh, they're at the Saints. Okay, seven point favorite, forty four point total. I also don't think Jalen Hurts is going to play. If he does, I think I'd be willing to play him. I see. I wouldn't really worry about re-injury. I, to, to me, a valuable asset like that. If you're willing to pedal him out there, you're not really worried about something somebody coming down on his shoulder and aggravating the injury yet again. Obviously, that can happen, but I'd feel pretty comfortable playing Jalen Hurts. You know, against the Saints, 44 points. Obviously, if he plays, maybe that total shoots up like a, a point or two. I think I think Hurts could be a really nice. It, it could end up being a contrarian play because people will probably be settled on not playing him, and I don't think a lot of people will change on to him. I think he's a fine play um, if he's healthy, but I actually I, I think it's the Gardner Minshew show again this week. Personally, what do you think about Mike White and putting him in your lineups this week? Yeah, I mentioned him in the quarterback portion of this, so. You know, you can expose Seattle. Mike White's a good quarterback. I think Mike White is the starting quarterback for the Jets next week. And I don't think that's like a hot take. I think that's like a very obvious take at this point. And I really like watching Mike White play. I think the question becomes, what's the game script like? Does does Seattle, are they able to move the ball against the Jets? Which I, I, I think they will be able to, even though the Jets are formidable. But I worry that they're not going to be able to. So I think if you think, you know, what's what's the over-under in this game? I'm looking now. It is 42. So I, I think we're looking at probably a lot of a lot of running, a lot of time of possession in that game. I, I don't mind playing him in a in a big tournament where you're you, you know, maybe it's a 20 max or something, or maybe even a three max, and you're like, you know what? I'm throwing Mike White in one lineup because he's cheap. I believe he was fifty four hundred. And you throw him with Garrett Wilson, and maybe you have the DK Metcalf run back, or maybe you try to get lucky on like Marquise Goodwin or something, which I, I don't recommend at this point. Uh, I don't mind that, but again. You can't do that in cash because golf is right there. And some other quarterbacks like like Aaron Rodgers are right there at 6,000. In tournaments, I think the pivot off of like the popular stacks like golf, I don't think it's to Mike White in a 42-point total. I think the pivots are somewhere else. So for me, it's probably a no on Mike White. I, I think you start to look at the running backs. And I'm, I'm going to try to find news because I didn't, I didn't show – I didn't have you show the um, game logs for Michael Carter and Bam Knight, but – they, they barely got any rush attempts, either of them. If we can kind of decipher who might be the guy, I think from a contrarian standpoint, that running back, whether it's Michael Carter or Bam Knight, I think that could be an interesting play just to be different at the running back position. But it's probably a no for Mike White for me. One of the guys I think jumped out at me this week that a lot of people aren't really talking about, Curtis Samuel, obviously with Wentz back. Curtis Samuel was incredible at first like three, four weeks of the season. And as soon as Wentz went in the other day, Curtis Samuel became a, a much bigger factor in the game. Right now I see on the tournament he's only 4,400. Do you have any intrigue in him? 
Yeah, a little bit. If so, we don't know if Wentz is going to play yet. I mean, it, you know, as a Commanders fan, and Zach, I don't know if you agree. I, I think it should be Taylor Heineke. I don't think Wentz gives us a ton of hope personally. But you know, the emergence of Jahan Dotson is is we can't really ignore that. Whoever, regardless of who the quarterback is. So yeah, I, I don't know. We, we, you know, Samuel's getting some backfield carries. He's been very un, like un, huge lack of production there. Um, it's a no for me. It would probably be Dotson or or McLaurin in that game. And again, that's a low total as well. It's 40 and a half. I think Washington's going to play it really close to the vest and they're just going to hope their defense suffocates Watson and Nick Chubb and they can do enough with Brian Robinson, maybe Antonio Gibson, McLaurin to, to get the W there. But they're a two and a half point favorite at home with a 40 and a half point total. Not super excited about Curtis Samuel personally. You have any interest in Baker against the Chargers? That kind of jumps out to me because obviously they don't have a pick. So he's really just playing for his next contract. I think that's why mm-hmm. he performed so well on Christmas. You think he could have another big game? I know he doesn't really have any weapons. You got Higby who went off. Akers went off. Akers is more of kind of not really a pass-catching kind of guy. Do you have any interest in Baker maybe trying to light up the charge? Chargers don't have anything to play for. That's an interesting point. It's a 40-and-a-half-point total. Uh, Rams are a six-and-a-half-point dog. Do the Chargers have seeding to play for still, though? I, no, I think they I'm might. sure. Because it, because they must, because that wouldn't be a six and a half point uh, favorite. They wouldn't be a six and a half point favorite if they didn't have some, at least some seating to potentially play for, in my opinion. I think Baker's sneaky, but again, I, I don't think I'd go there. I, you know, for me, it's either Cam Akers or, or maybe you take another shot at Tyler Higby, but you can run on the Chargers. And I think, and, and I think, I think that's probably going to be the game plan, but I think there are pieces there. I think you could maybe take Cam Akers. Baker, who do you stack him with? I mean, I, I think that's part of maybe you stack him with Higby, I guess. Maybe. But again, we're, we're kind of chasing last week as opposed to chasing the season. Tutu Atwell is interesting there um, as a potential game breaker. Tyler Higby, interesting as a, as a value tight end. Cam Akers, I think, is going to be pretty popular. But I think I'm probably off that game. But I actually think that's a really good game to bring up. I, I think I might have missed the boat a little bit doing the early look by not mention. I only mentioned Cam Akers there. I think there's some pieces in that game. Um that could be okay. But again, it's only a 40 and a half point total. We normally have a, a million redraft questions. Now we've got like four. Here we go. Right over here. Chris L. Camara with lots of exclamation points. Should I consider sitting him going up against the Eagles D? I have CMC and can pick up Jeff Wilson. Yeah. Herbert didn't do anything. For, Foreman, I don't trust Foreman. Because Foreman, when mm-hmm. you trust him, he he screws you. And when you don't, he, he goes crazy. So I'm staying away from Foreman. What do you think of Kamara? Like I put up something last week. He was he's been a hard he had that monster game. I think it was like week eight. Did nothing up until then, and he started showing a little bit against Cleveland. But obviously, that was an interesting game script. It was horrible weather, and they're kind of getting him involved. Do you think this could be a Kamara week, or are you staying away? Unfortunately, Chris, I think you have to play Kamara because I, I don't see the, the other options. I mean, obviously, you have CMC who you're playing. Jeff Wilson, I mean, do you really want to play the game between Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert? I mean, Jeff Wilson looked to be getting some goal line carries. So that's that's great. But again, Teddy, Teddy Two Gloves is the quarterback there. How much are they going to be moving the ball relative to when two is the quarterback? And then Herbert is extremely speculative. I think Foreman is the only guy I'd even consider. But against Tampa Bay's defense, listen, they're going to run the ball a lot. And I think Foreman's probably, you know, going to get maybe as many carries as Hubbard. But there's too much of a rotation there. So I think I'd have to go with the, the potential upside of Kamara because we know he has upside and we know he has upside in a game script where you're chasing points and likely no Chris Olave. I mean, you would think that at a certain point, Kamara is going to have that game. And is it this week? I'm not sure, but I don't think you can take the risk of sitting him this week with what you got. 
Have you looked into any of the guys that have the contract incentives with the certain stat-based performances? Because that's like normally like back two weeks of the season, I hammer all those props. I put all those guys in my lineup because you know they're going to get target fed. Yeah, that's that's interesting. No, I, I haven't looked at that. And you know, not only do we have the Thursday show, but we have the Friday prop show on the early edge. And that'll be something to look into. No, nothing has certainly kind of jumped across my eyes uh, with respect to any of that. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So whether it's this week or next week, I, I, I certainly think um, that's going to be in play. The famous one there was that I remember um, last was Gronkowski, yeah. where he needed like, I, don't, I can't remember, like five catches or something yeah. in a certain number of yards to hit. Uh, uh, like a million dollar incentive so yeah. that was pretty cool what do you think about godwin this week against the panthers i think horns out at least for the regular season and that's a big game but that tampa offense has been horrible it's been horrible but godwin's like the only guy um i think russell gage might have hurt himself last week i gotta check the injury report on him he got bent back on his knee he went back in he was kind of limping a little bit oh did he come back in after that oh i didn't know that okay so yeah i think godwin is the guy i mean mike evans has been phased out and and you know he's going Tom Brady's going to the reliable targets. And it, Godwin in the middle of the field, six, seven yard out, turn around, and Godwin's there. So I, I like Godwin. I just don't love him because I wonder what the upside is there. The Carolina defense has been pretty decent. Their secondary started to get healthier as of a few weeks ago. And, I, you know, this is not the Tampa Bay team we thought it was going to be. And every time we keep saying, well, you know, this week we're going to see it, we never see it. It doesn't exist. That's why. So it's just one of those things where I think we have to temper our expectations. Godwin would be the only guy I'd play on the Tampa side in that game. But this week at his price, which, again, it's 6,800. Listen, Godwin has been a flat 6,000 or 6,200 most of this year, or at least certainly recently he has been. Why would I pay 6,800 away in a passing offense that seems like super disjointed, even if it's like a contrarian play, which it won't be? It just I don't see the ceiling there. You're not interested in fourth string tight end slash fullback Co-Keefed this week in week 17 in your lineup? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. What a name. What an absolute name. And he gets involved. He, he plays. Let's see that. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Garrett Wilson this week going, going up against probably Tariq Woolen and Seahawks? And these both, te- both teams, this is must win for both of them. Yeah, Garrett Wilson will get open. The, I, I have no question about that. Um, and I don't think Tariq Woolen's going to shadow. And that secondary as a whole, Tariq Woolen, great draft pick. For the record, Seattle has done great in the draft. They drafted two offensive linemen that have played pretty much the entire year. Extremely formidable rookie offensive linemen that sort of propelled Seattle early. Tariq Woolen, another great draft pick. Seattle drafts well. And I actually think Pete Carroll's a pretty good coach, even though we just see him as a guy who chews gum and is a rah-rah guy. He usually takes really bad teams and makes them decent. But that said, uh, Garrett Wilson and Mike White, it's a, it's a marriage made in heaven, which goes back to, Zach, what you were asking about Mike White. I don't want to play Mike White with, with Garrett Wilson, but do I want to play just Garrett Wilson? Whether it's redraft or DFS, it's it's something you kind of have to consider. Um, Garrett Wilson can get loose against anybody, especially the Seattle defense. I see Swaggy P here, and we'll take a couple more questions if you have them. But um, he says, the, the problem with Drake London play is I think the Falcons are going to run the ball the entire game. I don't disagree with you. But what do you mean by that? Because what you'd have to be telling yourself is that they're not going to throw the ball at all. And that, that we know that's not the case because what we have to look at is what is the volume and what is the percentage of the volume that Drake London is getting? And the answer is a ton. The answer is a ton. Like we're, we're talking potentially like 60 to 70 percent of the targets. Yeah, 42 of the last three weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Say that one more time. 42 targets of the last three weeks against right. good and, defenses. Right. And so and keep in mind, there's not a lot of targets that are being had in the first place. So the point here is, let's say Desmond Ritter only throws it. Let's say he only has 14 pass completions. I don't know what the over under is going to be. I'm actually really curious to check that. 
But how many of those 14 pass completions go to Drake London? Sick. There's no one else. Pitts is out. He's Ridley's not going to anybody gone. else. Jameer Bird, Zacchaeus. They got uh, one other guy, uh, Hesse, who had the same number of catches as Devontae Adams this week, that Parker Hesse, which is a wild stat that could be used on Final Jeopardy, Jeopardy one day. There's no one to throw to. Arthur yes. Smith has to give it to Drake London, or the, the, the offense just will not move because they know you're going to try to run it with running backs you've never heard of. They have to give London the ball. Yeah, and for the record, he's getting open too, and he's making really great catches when when the ball's been behind him, like his the contested catches, the the wide open catch, like he's doing everything right. The route running is good. This is a talented receiver. It goes back to our offseason series when Jacob Gibbs was on this very show saying, "Listen, Drake London rates out the best of any of these receivers in terms of making an impact early." And I think he was right about that. We just didn't get a chance to see it with Marcus Mariota. But yeah, even if they run the ball a ton, I mean, I, I do think Arizona is going to push them a little bit. And I, I do think we're looking at somewhere between six and seven catches. Uh, I know that sounds like a lot, but I think we're looking at six to seven catches uh, for Drake London. Because remember, it, like even if they have a lead in this game, which I don't know if they if they will, but even if they have a lead, you know, first few quarters, they're going to be passing it a little bit here and there. And it's going to be the Drake London show when they do. Yeah. What do you think about the Miami receivers with or without Tua this week? I think a lot of people might stay away because Tua might not play, but Bridgewater was de- Bridgewater was good with Hill. It was not really a factor with Waddle earlier in the season. Are you interested if there's a low number of people playing them in tournaments? Yes, uh, with both of them, actually. Uh, the, the matchup at New England, listen, New England's, you know, this is one of those you have to check the weather a little bit too, but New England's been like straight up bad, just in general. They've been bad on defense. They have regressed in a in a really big way. And I think, you know, who 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 do we think Teddy Bridgewater's best friend is going to be? It's going to be Tyreek Hill, uh, especially in some of the short area routes. I see them like scheming him open inside, you know, five and 10 yard routes and just seeing what he can do after the catch. So I think both of them are in play. The discount you get from Waddle is 1400 Sometimes that discount is greater. I think it's 8,900 versus 7,500 this week. Uh, but I, I like Tyreek Hill better because I, I love what I expect him to do after the catch. Whereas Waddle, he can do great after the catch, but Tyreek Hill is the guy that's going to take a, a five-yard out and, and make a house call on it. So uh, I think Tyreek Hill is very much in play. If he's low-owned, uh, yeah, I, I think it, with all the value that opens up on this slate, I think at 8,900, he makes a ton of sense. Because especially with having the Bills and the Bengals on Monday Night Football, there's not as many top receiver options for you to put in your lineups this week with Higgins, Chase, and Diggs. All even though Diggs has been horrible over the past month, mm-hmm. there's a lot you got to. Going to do one more on here. Um, I don't. You think the Jags are going to rest players? I don't think. I mean, like they've kind of locked it up, but like you want to keep these guys fresh going to the playoffs. I mean, maybe maybe rest if they're way up, but Zay Jones. I mean, he didn't do anything. On Thursday, but obviously they're going up against a really good secondary. The Jets, you would you put them in your lineups this week? Yeah, I would over Ayuk. And, and keep in mind when when teams rest players in situations like this. And again, I, Zach, I agree with you. If I had to put money on it, I'd say the Jags don't rest anybody. But I don't know, so that's why I'm not like big on Trevor at 6200 or big on Travis Etienne at 6400 on a Tuesday. Well, talk to me on Thursday. We'll, we'll have a different opinion there. But I don't know that Zay Jones gets rested. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know that Evan Ingram gets rested. I, I think that's one of those things where Trevor maybe plays, like in, in a scenario where they're, quote, resting, which again, I'm not saying they are. I think Trevor plays t- two quarters still. But I think Zay Jones plays four. Like, you don't really, like, that. that's not an asset you rest necessarily unless you're up 30 points. So I would be comfortable playing Zay. I mean, the, the, the Niners, I'm always having to remind myself uh, who everybody plays. The Niners are at the Raiders. I, you could have a good game. I just, 
I just don't know that he they need to have him have a good game against the Raiders. I think it's a lot of CMC. It's a lot of Kittle. Ayuk's going to get four catches maybe. What, what does he do with them? I, I, I think I'd rather go Zay Jones in, in his matchup versus Brandon Ayuk. So, what do you think about Devontae Adams? Because he had like a down, pretty pretty down December. A lot of, a lot of people are probably going to stay away. What do you think about him against San Fran? I don't mind Devontae Adams. I, I, you know, this is one of those situations where do they force feed Devontae Adams against San Francisco in a negative game script? Probably. They're playing at home. It's not like the Raiders are like giving up. So, in, in terms of like resting players or anything. So, I think this is one of those games where if everybody's not going to play Devontae, like Devontae Adams is such a good case study. Tyreek Hill is such a good case study in terms of where we think the ownership's going to go. Because on this slate, you can afford to take a chance on a high-priced guy like that in tournaments because not a lot of people are going to be interested in playing either of those guys, in my opinion. So I think Devontae Adams in tournaments, in cash, it's a no way for either Adams or Tyreek Hill. But in tournaments, I don't have a problem with it at all. I mean, am I going to get there? I have to like do some – I'll do it before Thursday. I have to create some lineups first and kind of see like – you know, if it makes sense to get there with him. But uh, I think, I think Devonte like between Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill, actually, I actually like Devonte Adams better. Interesting. I, I think Devonte Adams could have one of those games where you're looking at 12 targets. He catches eight of them and, and has a touchdown or two. I know, I know it's only Tuesday, but is there anybody with pricing that you like so much this week that you're just like, he's, he's going to be in every one of your lineups. Yeah. So I hesitate to, to say Drake London there because I, I do think to Swaggy's point, there could be a game script where he's just not that needed. If Arizona, like if Trace McSorley is the quarterback, and I don't I think, think Trace McSorley is. Playing. Oh, you think Colt McCoy's playing? Colt's playing? Okay. My bad on that. Because if Colt McCoy's playing, Drake London is a lock for me. He is an absolute lock because Colt McCoy is a good quarterback. Colt McCoy can start in this league, and he has started in this league, and he's been decent. Against Atlanta, Colt McCoy is going to be able to move the ball with James Conner, with DeAndre Hopkins, with Marquise Brown, with Greg Dorch, you name it. So, yeah, if Colt McCoy's playing, then Drake London is a lock at 4,900. Uh, in, in tournaments, he's going to be really popular, so I don't mind pivoting off of him, but he's certainly a lock in cash for me. Other guys that I really like, you know, Greg Dorch at 3,000. With Colt McCoy back, he's not quite as appealing to me, but he's still somewhat appealing because he's going to be in the game. Uh, he's he's probably going to get a handful of targets. Not a lock play for me. I think Amon Ross St. Brown's going to end up being um, – I don't want to say a lock play for me because I think there are going to be tournaments where I pivot off that game entirely and just hope that it's, you know, running back versus running back. And they just, you know, they don't need, maybe Detroit doesn't need to rely on the, the I don't passing game. Are, I don't think Williams is going to play this week and they're running backs. I'm pretty sure it might've been two weeks ago, but they're, they're running backs. I think it was the other day. It was um, Raymond had like the biggest yards per rush average of, of all their right. running. Like the running backs have been hard. I, I think they, they're coming to realize that like, if they want to make the playoffs, Starts with getting the ball to Amon Ra. It's not spread, spreading around. He's spreading a little bit around. Get to Chark. But when you're getting these guys, Zilstra's getting three touchdowns. That's not scaring <laughs> the defense. You got to you got to open open it up a little bit. Hey, listen. If 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 we don't see Jamal Williams, and again, it's Tuesday, so we're really just having this conversation to speculate. But that means it's DeAndre Swift and Justin Jackson, and Justin Jackson is is a flat four K. So I mean, th- again, we we have a ton of value that's sort of already opened up, but it's per- it's more at the receiver position than at the running back position by Thursday. We're going to have like a, probably a flat 4K running back to consider, whether it's Justin Jackson or somebody else. So, yeah, there, there's – and again, that that kind of lends itself to playing whatever you want. Because, and, and that might include guys like Tyreek Hill or, or Devontae Adams. As far as guys that I'm definitely having in my lineup, Drake London is almost there. 
And Amon Ross St. Brown, he's not there yet. But at the running back position, I, I, might, I may go all in on Saquon Barkley. Really? And I'm really close to going all in on James Conner. And when I go all in, I literally go all in in tournaments because I don't play 150 lineups. I play, I play like eight or nine variations, maybe less, maybe six or seven variations of, of tournament lineups. And I, every lineup might have James Conner, Saquon Barkley, and Drake London. I'm not sure yet, uh, but Drake London is the guy that just seems it just seems too good to pass up. I, I think DJ Shark's going to make his way into a lot of lineups as well. Whether I'm stacking that game or not, I just lo- I love the value of DJ Shark at home. Cool, cool. All right. Well, I think we covered and, and Mr. Scampers, you mentioned no Buda Baker. Yeah, and I brought that up earlier in the show. Exactly. Um, so it, it really is kind of open season for Desmond Ritter to maybe get off a few more pass attempts. And again, uh, if Colt McCoy is the starting quarterback, that makes Arizona like a like a legit offense. Like this is like I made the comment two weeks ago that I think Colt McCoy runs the offense better, more efficiently than Kyler Murray. I think there's plenty of people that might agree with me there who have seen Colt McCoy over the years. Now, Kyler Murray is more dynamic. He has more upside. He can do things that Colt McCoy can't do. But in terms of running the offense, uh, I'm a Colt McCoy guy. Yeah, I, mean, I think I always have Colt's a, Colt's a, he's, he's a raw milk guy. Is he really? Yeah, he's, that just, makes he's sense. Like straight up. To, like, it's not FDA approved. I don't recommend anybody that's watching right now or listening right now do it. But he's, he's a straight up, straight from the cow, nothing else kind of guy, which is interesting. Uh, and I see uh, the uh, Mr. Scampers, you say, sorry, I'm late. By the way, anybody who comes in late, it's at the end of the show, not a big deal, but definitely remind yourself to hit the like button. Garrett uh, Pokella says, does Khalil Herbert hurt Monty's touches this week? Yeah, probably a little bit, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough to impact. Uh, you know, I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, Montgomery had about 15 rush attempts last week, and I'm going to double check that real quick because yeah, I want to be right. Just, yeah, I got it right here. Let me pull it up. Yeah, four. He, he got four or four targets, and he had 16 carries for 62 yards. The, the, the yards per carry was bad at 3.9, but you know he's usually over four, sometimes in the five range. And again, against Detroit, this this might be the guy that they lean on. This might be like the key piece to stack against whoever you're playing on the Detroit side. So I mean. If you're getting 20 touches against Detroit and some of those are in the passing game, uh, yeah, yes, please on that. 6,900 is is a pretty high price, but hopefully that keeps some ownership off of him. And so you can yeah. play David Montgomery at somewhat low, lower ownership. Yeah. All right, Zach, go ahead. Last week I was talking about Montgomery. His, his numbers in December over the past three years have been incredible. I think he's been like top three at the position. Mm, Maybe just right. cold weather is his thing, but I don't know. I think they probably bumped up his, his pricing because of that. Maybe. And I remember that because I remember not being on David Montgomery when all of that was happening. I'm like, what's what's going on here? So hopefully we get some of that from David Montgomery this week. Um, I think you could consider him in cash because I, I do think he's guaranteed to get, again, regardless of the game script, I do think he's guaranteed to get somewhere between 16 and 18 touches. That's pretty good for cash, again, against Detroit. So something to consider. Uh, everybody, thank you for popping in here. We, we went pretty long because we like to answer some of these redraft and some of these are DFS questions of course, as well. And Loso says Vikings DST good for this upcoming week. No. Mm, yeah. And we'll, we'll, well, well, is it though at the Packers? Packers, the Packers need to win out. I, uh, you think you're getting Rodgers, Rodgers out right now. I'm not, I'm not testing them. I don't even understand why you would say that. Like, why would you possibly say that? And that this is not an Aaron Rodgers comment. The Vikings D is trash. This yeah, is a bad, a- bad defense. So, no, it's not a good week to play the Vikings D. But, uh, I mean, if, if you play it, you'll be the only one playing him. So that's that's kind of cool. Um, if Rodgers gets hurt, maybe that works out. Uh, anyway, everybody, thanks for being in here. We went a little long because we want to answer some of your questions. Sorry we got to them at the end of the show, but that's usually how we do it. Hopefully you got something from the lineup recap because, again, I think when you look at Mike's lineup, 
and I believe it was either Kush or um, Hydro. When you look at that, like, like you can see some of the roster constructions that you probably never considered because they just don't seem very conventional. I very much encourage you to go back and look at those lineups where if you're listening, go back and listen to who was in those lineups and think about that when you're stacking or you're creating your lineups this week. Because again, there's going to be some popular games, right? Bears at Lions, Vikings at Packers, uh, maybe Niners and Raiders, probably not. But th- those two games that, that I just mentioned, Bears at Lions and Vikings at Packers, among others, maybe Atlanta Zona is going to have some interesting um, components in it, but not, not really a QB stack. My point is, because you know a lot of the ownership is going to be concentrated there, go back and look at how some of these people won. How Mike won $1,000 with one lineup. How uh, Hydro won our 200-person FFT DFS contest. Because it's those types of constructions that can really work, and they're different. They're unconventional. That's what's going to win you tournaments in December and in January. It's being unconventional, a little different, really kind of going all in on a theory or a game script. If you do that, um, you might... You might get $0 and be close to last place, but you also might be close to first place. And that's what we're trying to do here in tournaments specifically. So thank you for joining the show, Zach. Thanks for coming on to the show. Thanks for doing both the producing and some of the um, analysis. I know that's super uh, difficult to do. So I appreciate you doing that. Everybody, thanks for being here. We'll be back Thursday at 5 o'clock. It's going to be FFT DFS game-by-game preview with Mike McClure, which of course includes the cheat sheet, the top three at each position, and our favorite plays and roster constructions from every single game. Born out. That's Zach. I'm Sia. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. We will see you on Thursday. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.